Well, good morning, LCM. And our One Association brothers. Today's date is February 4th, 2024. And the title of today's message is Acceptable Offering. Saints, today is a very special day. Today will be the ordination of three men. Today will be the ordination of the General Abimbola Daramola. That's not all. Today is also the ordination of big country. Spencer McLean. Oh, and that's not all. Today is the ordination of Lintonius Maximus, also known as Justin Linton. I actually forget that Justin is his first name. <laughs> Today, these men will be locally ordained as pastors within this community and by this community. For most of you, this comes as no surprise, given that Adonai has marked these men out from the very beginning as called to help lead and prepare this community for its works of service. Now, each of these men has been diligent to cultivate their own lives, their households, and their brothers in this community. What is more, they have continued in the pattern of building a lifelong covenant team orchestrated by Adonai himself. This ministry has had the privilege of producing six iterations of ordained men. Hallelujah. Now, Judah Payton and I were that sixth iteration and the first to be ordained as a team into ministry. This laid down a pattern that as a collective ministry, we believed would continue and become our new model. Yeah. Today, we stand here at the imminent ordination of this team as our seventh iteration. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. This day is unique for many reasons, not the least of which is that today's ordination magnifies and continues the pattern of ordaining in teams. Furthermore, today is unique because this is the first time LCM has ordained men whose life work is directly tied to this local body of believers. All six of the prior ordinations were with the expressed intention of the men being ordained and then sent out as a sacrificial offering to our God. The six prior ordinations were comprised of men who we knew would be sent to build the kingdom of God in other areas of the world. Today in our seventh ordination service, we stand with men who will build this local community up for years to come. Saints, we are at our seventh iteration, and many of us who are along the way to getting to this point are in the room to celebrate it today. We have men who are being ordained and will build this ministry for its posterity. That's a very special thing. While it may not be necessary to elucidate the ways in which this model and these men are different from the model seen around us in lukewarm Christianity... Frankly, we're just going to do it anyway. The church world around us ordains men through an ecclesiastical and academic process. For most, an ordination is no different than a certificate of completed coursework at a college. 
and in no way is representative of the man's character, calling, or proven function among the brotherhood of believers. Somebody say, but these men? These men are each in their own right gifted students of the word with a commanding grasp on the entirety of the Tanakh and Brit Hadashah. However, this is not an academic award. This is a recognition of their proven function within this brotherhood of believers and the affirmation of the spirit of God on the timing of today's events. The church world or worldly church around us ordains men as the sole and unacceptable, unaccountable leader of a given community. Now in the rare case that a team of pastors exist in a community, that team is always accompanied by a very clear hierarchy. One with one man at the top who supplies orders to all the others. Now in this way, the worldly church in no way is dissimilar, let's say, to the American business model, that of CEOs, regional managers, and some of those various lackeys that are down below. These men, though, somebody say these men. These men. Are being ordained as equals. Come on. With an undying, sacrificial love between each other. Yeah. One that maintains their unity with each other and their team. Furthermore, they're being ordained into the existing ministry team here at LCM as equal pastors and not some form of junior or subordinate role. Yeah. What today's church is built around are services and specific times of meeting where they lure the masses in with the grandeur of their buildings, the awe of the amenities that are available and the short presentation that are meant to tickle the ears of those who so desire that way of life. If you didn't notice as you pulled into an industrial parking lot, found nowhere to park, and walked into a warehouse, you're not getting any of those things, including the short service today. Yes. Some have been supplanted by porta potties. That's Certainly true. we are not luring you with the grandeur of our amenities. You know, these worldly Christian ministers are defined by fancy suits, fancy cars and fancy places in the parking lot to park those fancy cars. And they only have to play Christian for a couple hours a week. Furthermore, they love to take the seats of honor in Christian services that Jesus directly warned us against. This allows for the ability of the single leader and all associated with him to present well for only those few hours. And to live whatever worldly life that he so chooses the other six and a half days that he's made available for himself. The men who are being ordained today. Yeah, these men. These men. Or say it this way. Say, these men. These men. These men are real shepherds. And they smell like the sheep every single day. Ooh, you smell that? Woo! Yeah. Abimbola. Spencer and Linton live as real servants of the gospel, rubbing shoulders with this flock in fellowship, discipleship, teaching, and ministry every day of the week. Come on. They are men who sacrifice everything that is at their disposal for the benefit of the body of Christ. They have sacrificed all their time, all of their food, their homes. And we don't even have to mention finances 
Because those belong to the Lord and to their brothers a long time ago. It's true. That's the quality of men that we're ordaining today. They are men who take the lowest seats at the table and whose goal every day is to sacrifice so that their brothers and their sisters might be exalted above them. Some would say amen. Amen. So they would be exalted, be raised higher, and might go further than them. The fact that they have done this without a title is why they are worth recognizing today as pastors. In truth, these men are an example of what Adonai has been seeking since the very beginning. Men from every nation of the world who are priests of the Most High God in the fashion of Christ himself. Christ himself as a priest gave himself up as an acceptable offering to God in order to reconcile men back to God. Romans 15, verse 15 through 17, speak about the caliber of men who are being ordained today. But on some points I have written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. Saints, as we said, our title today is Acceptable Offering. It goes on and says, Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. This morning we want to tell you that Israel is and always will be the original priestly nation. The fact, that fact has been established since Exodus 19. However, Adonai's desire has always been that what began in Israel would also radiate out into the nations of the world at large. Somebody say, these men. These men. These men are the work product of Adonai's intention. And we all, I mean collectively, have reason to be proud of them. They are men who are priests in the same order as Messiah, giving up their lives as an acceptable offering to God. Furthermore, as you will see today, they are an acceptable offering from this community to God, one that God presents back to us as a gift to us all. Now this morning, it's not within our purview to cover the pleroma of the Gentiles and the extent to which God desires a full number as well as full quality of Gentiles. However, I will say that these men, they are the full quality that Adonai desires. And their work will aid in bringing in the full number of Gentiles. We ourselves were brought alongside pastors Matthew, Wade, and Eric to labor together with them in the priestly duty of raising up men who are an acceptable offering to God. Now, these three men will do the same as a pattern of their lifetime work. This is because we are operating in a pattern of continuous priesthood. Yeah. One that flows from generation to generation. And we will see a thousand generations yeah. raised up. Yeah. Or as many as we have left before the return of Messiah. These men will spend their lives raising up an acceptable offering in the next generation within this body. Yeah. 
These men are not only continuing in the pattern of priesthood, they are doing so in the manner of the highest commendation possible. After the example of Matthew, Wade, and Eric, as well as ourselves, they are ministering while maintaining full-time jobs. First Corinthians 9 speaks of such labor in the highest of terms. It is honorable to minister uh, in the most honorable work of a minister. Now, after laying out that temple servants are owed their basic provision from their work, Paul goes on to say in verse 15 that he and Barnabas chose not to make use of such rights. In fact, we're going to read verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 9. And it says, But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for posting. So like the apostles before, these men have the boast of choosing to labor day and night to aid the advancement of the gospel in every way they can while not being paid by the church. Somebody say it's honorable to minister. It's honorable to minister. It's even more to minister and work. On the note of the priestly service that these men are already engaged in, while they are working and while they are living alongside you. What we want to do now is pick up in Numbers chapter 8 as it iterates the process of ordination. Numbers 8, 1. Somebody say there when you're there. There, there. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you set up the lamps... The seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He set up its lamps in front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. And this was the workmanship of the lampstand, hammered work of gold. From its base to its flowers, it was hammered work according to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses. So he made the lampstand. Saints, I understand, I just told you that we are turning to a passage that outlines ordination. And currently we're talking about a lampstand inside of the temple structure. This is because the process of ordaining the Levites is directly and purposefully preceded by the instructions for the construction of the menorah that represents God's spirit and presence. This is because the ordination of the Levites as brothers within a community set apart to serve the community, must be informed by the leading of the Spirit of God Almighty. Furthermore, it must be according to the pattern given by God. The ordination of these men, it is far from a new idea, but rather a spirit-breathed directive coming to its culmination after many, many years of deliberate cultivation. Looking back at the pathway that we as a community have traveled, The menorah and the very spirit of God Almighty have led us through every year of growth and through every faith-filled step of that journey. Yeah. 2024 has already been a year in line with that directive from Adonai. Yeah. One characterized by pressing into new lands, literal lands on new continents as well as spiritual lands of new roles and responsibilities. Now, with that being said, we wanted to illustrate the testimony of God in the lives of these three men. One that has been present since the beginning. 
a testimony that we have the privilege of testifying to today in front of the body of Christ as well as to the heavens and to the earth. That these three men have been called to the ministry that they are being officially recognized for today since the beginning of their time here. We're going to begin with Spencer Big Country McLean. Big Country. Come on. Big Country arrived at LCM on December 31st, 2011. Now, you probably don't know this, but at one of his first services here, it was prophesied from the stage that he would one day pastor this local body of LCM. Since that day, we have had the privilege of witnessing As a body, the journey of that prophecy coming about from the very onset of his time here. I myself got to LCM shortly after Spencer did. And Spencer was the very first man to prophesy to me on my first night here. He said the following words. Nick. Actually, he didn't even know my name at the time. He said, hey man. You need to be here with us because you need us and we need you. Guys, I can't even articulate how spot on and life altering that prophecy would be to me in the years that followed. And and every more so ever more so to this day. From that day, Spencer took me under his wing. He played a critical pastoral role in my own life in those early years. And we became lifelong brothers. Amen. Spencer himself is a family man. He's jovial. He's disarming. Yeah. He's engaging. He's insightful. Yeah. And he has an anointing to make men feel like family yeah. overnight. Amen. Amen. In those early years, Spencer immediately initiated in discipleship with the likes of Pastor Matthew Pirro here. Come on. And Pastor Michael Hutchinson in the back corner. The one who is the foundational pastor of Remnant Ministries in Denton, Texas. He was also a foundational minister of prison ministry as you all know it today. And we have the privilege of having C.J. Waller with us this morning. He did this together with Submission Ministries pastor Zeke Lamb who is also joining us this morning. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about Lintonius Maximus. Surprisingly named Justin Linton. I had called him by his first name in like eight years. We have two Justins. It's crazy. (laughs) Now we have three Justins in the room. Wild. Linton made his first great appearance at LCM July 3rd, 2016. Since that day, it has been clear for all to see that he was a man who would set people free from the effects of sin and anchor them to the hope in Christ. Now, when Justin got to LCM, I had just been at the church for about a year. And our first conversation on the 4th of July cookout, which was the next day after service, it was about the history of the Apocrypha and the canonization of the Bible. Now, as much as we laugh about those early days, and we laugh a lot, we have a long-standing rivalry that uh, he thinks Checkers is better than Whataburger.
no divisions. But from those early days, it was obvious that he was a man who was zealous for truth. He was hungry for discipleship, and he was destined to be a pastor. Amen. His disciplines were unmatched as he listened to every LCM sermon. He involved Not hyperbole. Himself. He actually <laughs> he, means every. He actually did it. He involved himself in every form of fellowship. Every single night. Every single night we were together, Justin Linton was there. It didn't take long for this man of God's calling to come into view. Linton's radical transformation in Christ, his bold faith and tenacious study of the word, has made him a model of discipleship that we should all follow. Through prophecy confirmed by the word and by the spirit, it has been well known that Justin Linton would pastor the flock at LCM. Anyone who has had the privilege to be around Linton knows that he loves the sheep, that he loves the brotherhood, and that he will lay down his life for you in a moment. He will do whatever it takes to make you succeed. He is caring. He is compassionate. He's wise. And he's full of the word. Man, is he the brother that everyone wants. He's also a terrifying force to be reckoned with. If I was ever in a scrap, I know who I'm calling. Especially if something or someone should ever come against the flock of God. Now we come to Abanbola. The man of many different names. But best known as the general. The general. The general arrived here January 25th of 2016. When he showed up, he was a man with a princely demeanor. And he possessed a background that had exposed him to the gospel. But at that point, he had not been radically transformed as he is today. Shortly after his arrival, something began to transform in Abambola. He was no longer content to just be familiar with the things of God. He now knew he desired to be all that God desired him to be. Abimbola began down a path of discipleship and rapid consumption of the word that set into motion the creation of the man that you see before you today. As a notable example that Peyton mentioned earlier, of the seriousness these early days were approached with, both Abimbola the general, and Justin Linton or Lintonius Maximus finished listening to every single sermon ever produced by LCM in about the first 12 months of their arrival. It's a lot. However, long before the first 12 months, within the first couple of months of arriving here, the Lord made them clearly marked out as future pastors of this local body, LCM. This destiny was co-witnessed in the discernment of the existing pastoral staff, as well as in prophetic utterances from the brotherhood of believers, many of you who are sitting in the stands now. We stand here today eight years later at the initiation of what was spoken so long ago. Saints, we're about to transition for a moment. Justin, Abambola, and Spencer... Please come stand up here with us and take a seat on these stools. You know what I'm going to say to everyone who's in your house. 
That is a large man. The children parted like the Red Sea as he approached. Tenfold. So church, what you see before you collectively is the work product of the last 12 years of daily discipleship, all aimed at the goal of these men serving as ministers in this body. In no way is today a new idea or a reactionary response to our efforts to expand into new regions of the world. In fact, this has been in process for over a decade. What you see before you has been the expressed purpose of Adonai for a long time now. This reminds us of Psalm 138.8, which boldly declares that it is in fact Adonai who fulfills his divine purpose for every man. Now today this local community is recognizing that we have been given an acceptable offering in the lives of these men right here. Amen. Men who serve this community by preparing the body of Christ to complete our mission to the world. All of us are soldiers. These soldiers, though, are given to us as an acceptable offering, like corporals yeah. or sergeants. Yeah. Or generals. So that, yeah, so that we may all become mature in our presentation of Christ through our daily lives to the whole world. Let's pick up in Numbers 8 together and see the team structure form. We will start in verse 5. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of purification upon them and let them go with a razor over all their body and wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. Then let them take a bull from the herd and its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil and you shall take another bull from the herd for a sin offering and you shall bring the levites before the tent of meeting and assemble the whole congregation of the people of israel when you bring the levites before the lord the people of israel shall lay their hands on the levites and aaron shall offer the levites before the lord as a wave offering from the people of Israel, that they may do the service of the Lord. There are several things that we will expound upon from these verses, but for now we want you to pick up on just a few things. The Levites are from and of the brotherhood of Israel. We are not ordaining these men into an ecclesiastical position that creates a clergy and laity divide. No, they're being ordained in recognition of the function they already perform within the body as a part of the body. Yeah. yeah. Now, the Levites were not ordained as individuals, but as a collective team that would serve Israel by preparing them for their service to God. These men are not being ordained as individuals, but rather as a team. Together, they will serve this body in producing more and more men who are acceptable offerings to God. Amen. The Levites were not ordained by the leaders alone, but rather by the whole community. Say whole community. Whole community. The whole community as they put their hands on them. 
These men, as members of this community, are being ordained by this community to serve on its behalf in the respective function God has given them. This is the model for ordination because those being ordained are parts of the one body of Christ. Help me out. Someone say one body. One body. Take a look at this slide with me. We want to show you uh, how this is not a new idea or new concept, but is replete through Paul's writings. Let's just look at a couple of them. Look at Romans 12, number one there. Romans 12, 4 says, one body with many members. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 17, it says, we who are many are one body. Let's take something from Ephesians. How about number seven? Because that's a great number. Ephesians 4, 25, members of one body. And from the book of Colossians, let's take the last one, number 12, members of one body. Saints, do you get the idea we are one body of Christ regardless of where we live or where we come from? You can feel that in worship here tonight. We are one body that has different parts, different roles, and functions, but it is all to the service of the King of Kings. I can tell you that my entire life has been invested in this local ministry. It's been invested into this church, and I have been developed by this church. I can say with total authority to bear witness as having been there from the beginning, this community is one unified body and it will always be. We also have identified functions and different parts and we are seeking to play those roles to the fullest extent. Jesus is the head of this body and we are all just performing our functions within his body. We are the body of Christ. These men being ordained today are being ordained by you and for you as they serve in the roles given to them by Jesus, the head of this body. And that role is aiding in your development and ensuring you complete your works of service. In fact, they are a magnified iteration of all that have come before them, including us. They are the work product of what you, the church of God, have produced And they are an acceptable offering in God's sight. So we want to take a minute. I'm going to look at a slide with you that summarizes the process of ordination. This is the Levitical model of ordination. You've already seen steps one through four that we've read. Look at the red box with five, six, and seven for me. It says, bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. Number six says, bring them before the Lord, and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Number seven says, Aaron presents the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites. Now, as you're looking at this slide together with us, you need to understand that number five on the screen, it's been taken from verse nine. Ordinate in verse nine of of Numbers chapter eight is what we're speaking of. Ordination is a whole community affair. It's not a professional class in a dark room with those that are just picking their favorites. It is the communal recognition of the part in the body. These men, listen to me, were born to perform. Number six comes from verse 10. This is a community affair where your hands are laid on them showing your acceptance connection, and recognition of what God is doing through their function. 
Number seven comes from verse 11 of the chapter. We are the existing family of priests and are presenting these men as a gift on your behalf to the Lord. See how Aaron is offering them as a gift? It's a gift that is from you to God, but is also from the Lord back to you because they will prepare you and aid you in your works of service. We want to iterate again. Ordination is not an academic certification. This ordination is through the church. The church is not this building or any other structure. You are the church of the living God, and that's what causes the ordination to mean something. Saints, I'm going to read to you Numbers 8, verse 19, that is kind of the capstone to this whole process. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel, to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the people of Israel that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when the people of Israel come near the sanctuary. Saints, the men who are a gift from the congregation to God, we are offering them up for your service. Become a gift to the people because God accepted that offering and they ensure there's no plague. They ensure that they are in right standing with God. There's a reciprocal relationship that is family and was always intended to be family. Look, at this point, we're going to move to Psalm 68. Now, as you turn to Psalm 68 together with us, you need to know know that we're turning here in order to see where Paul derived his discourse from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 15. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. Bashan was the seat of celestial rebellion, and it looked with envy upon the Lord and his earthly habitation, the nation that forms his body. Let's continue in 17. The chariots of God are twice 10,000. Thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. When you read verse 17, you need to know that our God went to war with these celestial powers. He invaded what they thought was their territory, and he did it for one thing. In order to liberate men, men like Abimbola, men like Spencer, and men like Justin. Verse 18, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious. That the Lord God may dwell there. In Adonai's victorious military campaign, he received men like Abimbola, Spencer, and Justin as gifts and as his spoils of war. The sacrifice, the dedication, the service that flow from this team, well, it's an acceptable wave offering before the Lord. Paul, when speaking about this to the Ephesians, presented these men who are acceptable offerings. Well, he used a slightly different wording. 
Let's go to Ephesians 4 and hear what Paul did with it. This is Ephesians 4, verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Oh, he gave. Gave gifts to men. Paul presents their lives as being taken from their former captivity to the celestial powers and turned into gifts and acceptable offerings given back to the body of Christ for the preparation of every believer to present Messiah to the world. This is why we rightly say that these men are an acceptable offering, not in reference to their personal talents. Although they have them. They have all the personal talents. All of them. All kinds. Not in reference to their personal talents, but in the way that the Lord has made them an acceptable offering to this body. Saints, can somebody yell a hallelujah if you... Hallelujah! These men are the work product of what this ministry produces, and that's not done from pastors alone. That's done from a community that upholds the word of God as the standard. Together, we've all journeyed into the book of Jeremiah. Some of you may or may not remember that Jeremiah did not work alone. He worked alongside a man named Baruch. We want to go to Jeremiah 45, verse 5, to pick up an exhortation. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. Saints, we can testify before you all that Abambola, the general, is not seeking great things for himself. We can testify before you all that Spencer, big country, is not seeking great things for himself. We can testify before you all that Lintonius Maximus is not seeking great things for himself. These men serve you here right now. And what makes them special is that they view their lives as a prize won in war. And they have made their lives an acceptable offering to the body of Christ everywhere that they stand. See, here today, they are the same acceptable offerings to the body of Messiah as they work in a unified team together. As a community, we have all been able to see and participate in the lives of these men and to sow into their progress. This beautiful process is going to continue as they aid in raising up more generations themselves. Together, we have all seen how God added supernatural wives to these men. And subsequently to that, praise God, world-changing children that he added to them. What is unique about the way that these three men were married is that they were all perfectly content at the single life, serving the Lord. Yeah. 
Now, the fact is, several of them really believed that they had a <clears throat> Pauline-like duty. They were wrong. So wrong. Oh, brother, I just don't want anything to distract me from the ministry of the Lord. So, at the council of the existing ministry team, as well as personal witness of the Spirit to them, these men changed their approach. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. They began praying for godly wives, and guess what the Lord did? He was indeed faithful to give them wives of noble character who aid them in their work to this day. Yeah, he did. Someone say amen. Amen. Because in June, on the 22nd day in 2019, Justin and Larissa were married. This marriage has since produced Sophia, Matthias, and Jonathan. July 20th of 2019, Operation Summer Snow commenced, and Abambola and Jess were married. This marriage has since produced Elisha Vah and Shifra with a son on the way. Now on May 20th, 2023. Spencer and Randy were married. Hallelujah! And together, they are raising up and cultivating five amazing godly children. We're talking about Riley, and Deacon, and Eva, and Zadik, and Cannon. Each of these marriages were the work of God's Holy Spirit and a faithful walk. Their sons will rise to become ministers of the gospel just as their fathers are. And their daughters will be like carved pillars in the house of God, supporting ministry. Over the years, we have all together had the privilege of watching these men be developed. And we've watched them stretch out into ever-increasing areas of responsibility and supernatural faith. All three of these men have labored in prison ministry. All three of these men have labored in teaching roles like discipleship helps and home groups. We've watched them all engage in daily evangelism, whether in their workplace or among their relatives. All three of these men have practiced opening their homes to the body at large as a place of study and the moving of the Holy Spirit. They have ministered as families. All three of these men have actively labored to develop and aid the singles in our church for many, many years now. Missions around the world have been engaged in by these men, often at risk to their own personal safety and at great personal cost. Collectively, 
These men have admirably endured various kinds of trials. They've endured the scorn and disapproval of their relatives purely for standing in the will of God. They've endured medical trials and desperate situations save divine intervention. They've even experienced the apostasy of brothers and even a spouse. In all of the above, they abounded in the gospel rather than abandoned. These men have proven that they have what it takes to steal their will and maintain fidelity to the King of Kings, to the word of God as the highest standard, and to be loyal to the people of God above and beyond all other concerns. They are a model of how men should conduct themselves under pressure. Moreover, year after year, they have striven to be a greater representation of Christ than they were in the previous year. In totality, their development has accumulated into men who are worth following in every way and are an acceptable offering before God. Amen. Today, it is as plain as could be that these three men are now competent ministers to the families in LCM of varying ages because they have faithfully labored to cultivate their own homes. These three men are pastoral and prophetic aides in the lives of the brotherhood as they have stood shoulder to shoulder with us. They are men who know what it looks like to receive a word from God and to faithfully fight and stand firm until that word comes to pass. They help us all do the same exact thing every single day. We can say personally that we bear witness to their ministry in our own lives. Yeah. As all three of these men have and continue to minister to us. Church, these men are of your number. And are the work product of your ministry as acceptable offerings before the Almighty God. They are also gifts back to you from Messiah himself. They are the seventh iteration of ordinations from LCM. And they will spend years of their lives building this body up. Hallelujah. They're going to ensure that arrows of various kinds in the room will reach their destinations. While we have been hinting at Ephesians 4 all morning now, it's appropriate that we cover some of the more practical details of how this works in one body. That is the body of Messiah. And we're going to do that at this point. You ready for Ephesians 4? All right, someone shout hallelujah if you're in Ephesians 4. Hallelujah. That'll work. Verse 11, you guys ready? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Jesus, as our high priest, gave us some within the body To help all of us in the body get prepared for our works. Say our works. Our works works of service. Jesus wants his body to be built up. And he has selected these men to play a primary role in the development of this church. Let's keep going in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the son of God. And become mature. 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This ordination process is about recognizing the maturity that Jesus seeks to bring to every member of his body. Every member. Every member. And even the ministers are still growing and maturing through the interaction with the body. Yeah, we are. We are. We're maturing alongside. In verse 14, it goes on to say, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Recognizing that we each have a responsibility to every other part of the body is essential to everyone's growth within the body. This is how we give an acceptable offering. Amen. Moreover, recognizing that we have been blessed with men like the ones that are before you today to remind us of this fact. It causes us to mature in the works of Christ. As we keep moving along in verse 16 of Ephesians 4, it says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Like the Levites in Numbers 8:19, we are recognizing that the only way this body will continue to grow into, a, into a maturity that looks like Christ is if we set apart those whom Christ has set apart to prepare all of us for the works of services. That is our corporate responsibility. Spencer McLean has a joyful strength of conviction. He's brought joy to all of our lives. And he has a strength of conviction that is unshakable. It's to be emulated, church. He is like bones within the body. Bones. Big, big skeleton. Big old skeleton. Spencer McLean is like bones. Abimbola Daramola has a godly passion. And vision for God's objectives that is to be admired. We all admire his passion for the Lord. He is like muscles in the body. Ask us how we came to that conclusion. Everywhere he goes, he causes movement. He causes the body to move. Lintonius Maximus, also known as Justin Linton. He has a godly connectedness to every member of the body. That is to be considered as a sound pattern for all future development. He set a model and an example in discipleship that will serve the generations to come. He is like ligaments within the body. Both strings. Now, this team is an example of how we must all do our part for the collective growth of Messiah's character Amen. in us if we are to present him to the world. Would everybody say this with me? We all are going to do our part. We all are going to do our part. Amen. Look, it's a truly special day when you reflect on how all of this started. 
what started with my father as one man with a dream has turned into 25 ordained pastors functioning within their local communities as aids to the works of service Jesus has prepared. Men like Buddy Brasso, Brent Vincent, Gary Guzman, Nick Massey, Peter Allen, Nick Slaughter, Ben Hafner, Patrick Alcantara, Anthony Alcevedo, James Padrone, Devin Hutchinson, Mike Hutchinson, Kaysen Schubert, Landon Ray, Justin Johnson, Jeremy Pounds, Will Do, Zach Lamb, Zeke Lamb, Jake Womack, Eric Stevens, Judah Stevens, Wade Sutherland, Peyton Parsons, and our very own Matthew Pirro. Spencer Linton and Abambola are joining a group of men who produce other pastors. We reproduce after our kind and we multiply. You can be sure that they, along with pastors Matthew, Wade, and Eric, will ensure that the host of men in this room reach their destination as well as those coming after. This list extends before these men. And the list will also continue to grow after these men. We firmly believe that the likes of Justin Treister, Cody Stevens, Rob Barnett, Paul Rosales, Carlos Rueda, Ibrahim Zachari, Caleb Brown, Marlin Sosa, and also the men of Adulam, just to name a few. These men will also serve the body, bringing unity in these ways. Not even mentioning the rising stars that are coming up right before our eyes right now. Yes. Now, while we're on the subject of the body that is building the body up, we should probably speak about our elders here at LCM. Thank God for them. (laughs) Thank God for elders. About time, Pastor. Currently, we have Elder Charlie. Yes. Elder Borge. And Elder John Dang. Yeah. Now, Elder Borge will be joining the One Association Europe team. It's great comfort to us. We're sorry for your loss. And Adam Cora is being recognized today as an elder here at LCM. I can't see at all. I shouldn't have looked at Adam. Is it raining? <laughs> yeah. Man. Adam is joining other elders of the One Association as supporting structures to the ministries that comprise our group. We are one body with many functions, and each of us is vital in our given roles. The necessity of each of us playing our given role as brothers in one family is everything. Guys, we're going to go to Matthew 23, and we're going to pick up in verse 7. That will help remind us of our relationship to one another. Somebody say there when you're actually there. And greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. 
but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Given that Ephesians 4 and other passages clearly elucidate the roles of teachers and instructors, and that 1 Corinthians 4 calls Paul a father to the church, it's clear that Jesus is teaching something specific, but is often misunderstood. The point of Jesus' words is not that no part of the body has an identifiable function, but rather that in our functions we are to relate to one another as brothers without exaltation or hierarchy. These men are brothers from within this community. And hear me, saints, they will continue as brothers within this community. What is happening today is the identification of a function of men who are called to prepare this body for its works of service as shepherds or pastors. This is in accordance with Paul's priestly service of preparing a line of men who are priests themselves to a world at large on Adonai's behalf. They are an acceptable offering. Now turn with us to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5 together. We want to talk about specific components about these men as a group. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Just like the men before them, Abimbola, Spencer, and Justin are men of God who know the love of our Messiah. They are experiencing the freedom of Christ and helping others to do so as well. They have been made into priests that serve this body by helping every member achieve their priestly service to the world. They are sheep helping to lead other sheep into unity as one flock of Messiah who is at the head, the chief shepherd. They are acceptable offerings from us all to God as well as gifts given back to us by Adonai for the development of all of us. Amen. So, let us begin to exhort Abimbola, Spencer, and Justin in the roles that they have been carrying and will only grow in during the years ahead. Abimbola, Spencer, and Justin, would you three please stand together with us? Now, as we have already alluded to several times now, you three men are being ordained in a team. You are a magnification. Listen, you are a magnification over all the previous ordinations and teams that have gone before you. And you are a necessity and a vital part of the future of God's flock. And we need you. 
So at this point, we have a series of charges for you and a picture of your functions from patterns that are laid out in the Word. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 clearly depicts the strength of a three-stranded cord. This is not new news to anyone in the One Association. Today, we charge you directly to never deviate from the team that you have been ordained in. Your team's value has nothing to do with performance or momentary usefulness and has everything to do with the design of God. Let your bonds of fidelity only grow and never decrease. When strained, never bend, and certainly don't break from one another. In the spirit of John 17, 20, we charge you not only to show covenant loyalty to one another, but also to those who are coming after you. My friends, raise up the, man, the men who will stand alongside you and will eventually take your place here at LCM. Do whatever it takes to finish the process of discipleship and training for the scores of arrows who will be sent out of this ministry. There are men here who will found new domestic springs as well as enter foreign lands. We charge you to finish that work. We charge you to ensure that the future generations of ministers coming from this body, as well as those in the brother churches, reach their destinies. Finally, and very, very close to the three of our hearts. In the spirit of Joshua, we charge you to be with the Moses-like fathers of all six of us on the mountain. Most specifically, until those fathers, our fathers, reach Mount Nebo. This is a generational ministry, and we help each other finish well until the very end. Stand in the gap between every generation. Advance the next and support the original until they go home to see King Jesus. Write the ending of their book of Deuteronomy. Do whatever it takes to see to it that their eyes stay strong and that their vigor remains unabated. The continuity of our ministry, our priests who raise up priests, we want to tell you that that is everything. We've had the privilege of sitting in a three-generation team and watching a fourth take their place. You are the answer to every concern and hope for the future that we are left with as we prepare to leave. Shoulder the load God has given you, and he will expand those shoulders beyond your wildest dreams. At this point, we want to expound on a passage that expresses a prophetic picture of what you three men are and will grow into in every way. And it comes from 2 Samuel chapter 18, picking up in 1. Then David mustered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Ittai, the Gittite. 
And the king said to the men, I myself will go out with you. But the men said, you shall not go out. For if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us. Therefore, it is better that you send us help from the city. Then the king said to them, whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood at the side of the gate while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. The three of us will expound on differing parts of this passage. As a place to begin the groundwork, Joab, Abishai, and Ittai are a picture of the messianic king sending forth his selected leaders to ensure the success of his campaigns. In the historical context, not all of these men reached the goal set forth by the Davidic king. This, however, does not change the fact that these men were meant to be a picture of the future. To help you understand the picture, we should probably start with what their names mean. So Joab, according to Easton's Bible Dictionary, means Yahweh is his father. As Peyton mentioned, it is true that Joab failed to reach his intended destination. But I can affirm today that Abambola Daramola will most certainly not yes. fail. Like Joab, who was fathered by God, Abambola is a man made to marshal other men. That's why we call him the general. He is a keen spiritual eye for the future battles of God's people and the ability to win the battles of the Lord. Abambola, like Joab, is not alone, but is marshaled to the side of King David along with his brother. The sons of Zerah are a powerful force to be reckoned with. And these brothers are no different. To be clear, if you want to take a fortified city, an occupied city like Jerusalem, these are the men that you want. You can count on a man like Abambola to not count the cost, but charge the hill, deliver the city, and rally the men along with him. Let's move on to Abishai. Abishai, according to Easton's Bible Dictionary, means the father of a desirous gift. Now, like Abishai, Justin, he's gone through tremendous trials in his walk up to this point. But he's come out of each trial with both gifts from his father and also gifts to bring to others through the benevolence of his father. I've watched him overcome in discipleship. Persevere for a wife. Struggle and overcome for the children that God has given them. With tremendous supernatural strength and great dependency on the Lord God. On their fathers and on their brothers of this community. Now Abishai is the brother of Joab. Just like these sons of Zeruah. Abimbola have grown with Abimbola and Justin have grown with each surpassing year. Yeah. Through their trials as well as through very hard times, through their lifetimes together. They have both taken a stand for righteousness in the hardest area possible. I am speaking about brazenly standing for righteousness when their own water of the womb families have shrunk back in compromise 
and tried to lure them into that same pit of destruction. And they have persevered. They are both always ready for warfare. They've been battle-hardened. And they are leaders among men who other men of God admire and are ready to come alongside to join in the battles of the Almighty God. Yes. Now, Ittai, according to Easton's Bible Dictionary, means timely or with the Lord, given the connotation of being in God's timing. Joab and Abishai were brothers. They were brothers. They were brothers. And one of these men was not like the others. And that was Ittai. Like a double stuffed Oreo. Spencer is like Ittai. He's the brother from another mother. Spencer carries with him the very presence of the Almighty and can change the atmosphere of a room the moment that he walks in. Spencer always has a timely word. And when he speaks, man, when you speak, Spencer, you bring hope and you bring comfort to the brotherhood. I can attest that you do it in my life most days. Spencer is with the Lord, and the Lord is with him. All of us can attest to the way that Spencer's life is marked by Adonai's perfect timing and the undeniable evidence that God is with him in everything that he does. We upstairs. Like Ittai, Big Spence has an unwavering loyalty to the Davidic king. And you show the greatest expression of love by laying down your life for your brothers in every circumstance. Spencer is mighty in battle. And he's the companion that any brother would be blessed to have in a foxhole next to him. Saints, can you affirm the things that were just said about these men? Joab represents divine leadership qualities that are able to rally men around a God-born vision. Abimbola has these qualities in abundance. Abishai represents the ability to operate in gifts from above while under the pressure of adversity, as well as to give gifts while under pressure. Linton has these qualities in abundance. Ittai represents the forceful change of atmosphere that moves men from fear to faith in an instant because of a divine joy and hope that arrives in perfect timing. Spencer has these qualities in abundance. Together, these men are a team qualified to lead, inspire, endure, sustained by the Father's gifts, and turning despair into joy. They are men upon whom the tangible representation of God hangs. Zechariah 4, verses 2 to 3, say that he said to me, Who do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top and 
there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Saints, this passage describes a divine representation of God. It is two olive trees and a lampstand standing together. We already told you two of these are alike and one is not like the others. This passage was divinely given to form the very first LCM team. That is Eric, Matt, and Wade. Furthermore, this passage formed our team with each other. The three of you have unique but interdependent functions that are collectively aimed at the betterment of this body. And together you represent Christ well. You will raise up others who are moved by the very same passage and walk in the same function. It is your job to model for them a team that is not based upon performance, but is based on the covenant God has created. We could cover Peter, James, and John, or so many others who did this together. But instead, we want to say that you stand before the Lord of all the earth as examples for others to follow. We have a final charge from Acts chapter 20 for you. Let's start reading in 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, this verse has tremendous context. It also has tremendous application for this momentous moment that we find ourselves in right now. The context is Paul standing with the leaders of the church of Ephesus just before his departure from them to travel to other lands. He's embracing them and speaking to them the last meaningful words that he has to offer before he leaves them and entrusts them with the leadership of the church body. So today... We charge you men with the same words that Paul did. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Guard your thoughts. Guard your lives in accordance with the sure words of the scripture of God. The leading and conviction of the spirit of God. And the sound teaching that you have received that is the pathway of righteousness. Guarding yourselves first in these ways enables you to minister to the rest of the body of Christ. Secondly, pay careful attention to the flock of God that he himself has made you overseers. Care for his church that he obtained with his own blood. By giving your own blood for the sake of the sheep, protecting them, leading them, and sacrificing for them so that they might rise onto your shoulders and rise far above you. Thirdly, be alert to protect the flock from ferocious wolves as well as all outside influences that might draw away sheep after them. 
Open up their eyes to these threats. Build them up just as you are being built up. And give yourselves fully so that they receive their inheritances along with all of those who are sanctified along with you. And lastly, ensure that the overseers that you are joining see the fulfillment of all that Adonai promised by securing the next generations and standing by their side as they finish their work. Men of God, I'm going to read to you from the O's from our articles. Having tasted of the age to come, I will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and corporate manifestations of his gifts. Men of God, do you commit to this oath? Having been adopted into the holy family, I will not rest until every nation in the world is represented before his throne. Do you commit to this oath? I will not be bribed, intimidated, or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture. Men of God, do you commit to this oath? Our next slide is our irreducible minimums for working relationship. The first, I want and am asking for encouragement, correction, rebuking, and training in righteousness according to the word of God from my friends and peers. This will equip me for every good work. Men of God, is this an irreducible minimum for you? Yes. The second one. The sun will not set upon unbiblical behavior. This sets our time frame, regardless of feeling or situation. I will take biblical action upon notice. Men of God, is this an irreducible minimum for you? Yes. Number three, I have proven to my brothers and my brothers have proven to me that we have each other's best interest in mind. And we will place our brother's needs above our own. I will sacrifice my thoughts, my emotions, my opinions to implement the Word's instruction for our good. Men of God, is this an irreducible minimum for you? Yes. Number four, a promise made to the group is a vow, a pledge before God. And therefore, it is not optional and cannot be renegotiated or annulled. My word is my bond and can be trusted. It is in writing. Men of God, is this an irreducible minimum for you? Yes. Number five. Righteousness is all that matters. Therefore, when training in righteousness is needed, it is good, spiritual, and restorative. I have surrendered my life, responsibilities, and ambitions to the Lord and this group. When it is deemed necessary to step down from an activity or position for a specified time period, I will accept my training in righteousness for restoration. Men of God, is this an irreducible minimum for you? Yes. Then someone raise up a shout of praise in the house of God. 
Now it is at this time we would like to ask pastors Wade, Eric, and Matt to join us. And it's probably worth raising up another hallelujah. These men come up on the stage. We're now, we're in 20 minutes in, which is about our normal flow, but I have a feeling that some of you are going to want to pray for these men, prophesy, those kind of things, and we're in a house full of men that are full of the word, so that, that literally could take all day. I'm struck with a few thoughts. February of 2009, Pastor Slaughter left to go begin his work in Illinois. Wow. In June of 2013, Pastor Zeke left to go to the East Coast, nation's capital. Then in 2015, Pastor Hutchinson. Then in 2016, Brent Vincent. Then in 2018, Buddy Brasso. Then in 2021, we got to see the kibbutz ordained. God has been so good to us in 22 years. This is happening with more frequency. It's happening with increasing quality. There are a lot of reasons for that. One of them is... As these three men came in, they literally could absorb 1,700 messages in only 12 months. So the work product of decades, they got to work on. This is more than we could have asked for or imagined by far. Hebrews 11.40 is a passage that I want to mention Actually, if you don't mind, could you put that on the screen for me? Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect, I want you to know that much like an Apple product, the first version is flawed. And they come out with a second version of the app, and it got a little better. We're on at least our seventh iteration, and they are getting better, aren't they? They're the best. Our goals have not yet been achieved. We've laid a foundation. We're going to sow 100 families into the Middle East. That is going to happen. We're going to see 12 domestic springs in this country and then 12 in every country that we go to all pointed towards Israel. That is happening. But we can at least see that God is accelerating us exponentially and it is working. 
I wanted to say in my view and then hand this to the brothers, then we'll pray. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 really tells us to entrust the gospel to reliable men. It's, I mean, it is a beautiful passage. And those who are entrusted have certain responsibilities. I'm not telling you these things because you don't know them. In fact, I know that you have them written in your Bibles, just like I do. There are at least five things that all men entrusted with the gospel must do. And I want to tell you that I see them in you. According to Matthew 25, 14 through 30, you have a responsibility to increase the deposit that was given to you. Amen. My God, have you returned an increase that will exceeds what we invested in you. I am so, so very proud of you. Luke 12, 48 tells us that a faithful manager of a household will, he'll be responsible for what he was entrusted with and an unfaithful one will be held accountable to the glory of God you guys have shown yourselves to be responsible managers of a household yeah. Romans 3 1 through 2 speaks of those who have special revelation namely Israel but in this case we also have been given something special through them and says that it is an advantage in every way. It's unfortunate that some don't take advantage of their advantage. <laughs> They're not advantaged in any way by what they were given and didn't do anything with. I'm here to tell you that you three men have shown yourself to be advantaged in every way. 1 Corinthians 4.2, Paul commands us to regard men who have been entrusted with the gospel as men entrusted with the secret things of God. I love how well you have held the secret things of God. You've cultivated them in your heart, and you've only proclaimed them publicly when you felt like the Lord told you to. And then you gave away freely what you labored for privately. I love that about you guys. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 speaks of men like you. Men who are literally approved by God. I want you to know that the reason we can do this so publicly and say that it is their hands laid on you that show a connection to you, an acceptance of you, and a recognition of your function to help them grow, the reason we can do that is because you're approved by God, yeah. and we know it. Yeah. Flew all the way to Malaysia to tell you that, Ben. That was a, it was a long flight, but it was worth it. Spence has been telling you that since the first day you got here. Justin, I cannot imagine life without you. you. I wanted to call you Uncle Justin because you, you were that relative that everybody wished they had. And somehow or another, Port Arthur and Louisiana, I feel like we got to be related. I'm scared to get the DNA test. We might find out more than we want to know. Look. On that, that note, there's a very high probability that Justin and I are related. <laughs> yeah, my dad's sitting right there. He could be Justin's dad. And hey, I did. We, we've been a little hard on the water of the womb family today. Let me take one small break here. If you were here today and you were related to these men, we want you to know how much we love you. We want you to know how proud we are that you honor what God is doing 
in their lives and you came here. Uh, the truth is, is we work so hard to stand on what we think are the standards of God that sometimes we're a little abrasive. Thank you for loving us anyway, loving them and walking in here. Um, we do not want there to be divisions of any kind. What we actually want is to hold the standard so high that we're all pulled up to it. And we may not have always done that right. You're going to have to work that out with the Lord and, and learn to forgive us. But we are striving with all of our heart to produce these kind of men. If you were relatives in the house, clearly we couldn't have done this without you. They wouldn't even be here. Okay. Now we'd like to do it alongside you to whatever capacity the Lord lets us do that. You know, as we look at these men, we can see that God's hand has been at work of building according to the pattern. When I think about them, I think about what Moses experienced at the top of Mount Sinai, and that was the charge to build according to the pattern shown to him. That pattern was then handed down. And what I see in these three men are men who started where we all start. That's a complete abandonment of their own life for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of his people. They laid down their life for the sheep well before they ever got to this point on the stage. Because of that, your hearts are endeared and intertwined to them already. And the pattern that is in them is a pattern that will continue to be replicated and much more magnified. They are the key and the hope of the vision that God has given us as all the churches to reach the targeted destination on that map. Well, one thing I want to speak to you gentlemen that you have done for me is that the pattern that was shown to Moses included the construction of an ephod. On the screen, if you could put up Exodus 28 and verse 20. Oh, I said 20. Let's go down to 29. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of a decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastpiece so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the names, the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. I want to say today that you men are our brothers. You men are our peers. And together we will have that breastpiece of the names of the sons of Israel that sit within this room and are part of our family. I've seen this at work in each and every one of you before we ever got to this point. Bim, the fervency in which you wore in the heavens for the sake of the lives in this room is unprecedented and is to be modeled. When you open your mouth, the heavens shake 
and angelic forces move on your behalf. Justin, the way that you are so willing to run down and jump in the mud with the sheep so that you may get them free from their own thinking and elevate them to the thinking of Christ and the Word is worthy of attaching men to your life and teaching them how to do the same. Big Spence. Spencer, in all regards, of all kinds, you create momentum. From the day I met you, in that special moment where I heard you agree with the word of God and the voice of heaven for a correction being given to someone, I knew that you were a brother that I wanted by my side. You're definitely an Ittai that has forsaken all to join the station that God has ordained for him to be. You've created momentum in my life. You have sowed hope and future into my life. And I'm proud to have you standing next to me as an equal that I will see you rise to become even greater. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or we do, do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. People can think a lot about uh, the, the OGs as much as they want. There's usually not a lot of middle ground. It's either that they love us or hate us, and sometimes both in the same day. You know it's true. <laughs> you know. But I want to say that you men are such a beautiful letter of recommendation for what this ministry produces, what our lives can have the hope for because it gets better and better as time goes on. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You men are some of the finding examples of sons that men could ever hope to have. Such is the confidence that we have. Everybody say we. we. The we that is here are the men on this stage and our elders. There's confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient or competent in and of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is in fact from God. I charge you men by the encouragement of the Spirit, and you've heard our other brothers say it, you are entering into this team as complete equals. This is not a trial period. This is not a junior level assignment. You are stepping in as 100% an equal member of this team. I am reminded of a prophecy that came both to you men and to us. 
that when God would have this day come, that you would be stepping in with full competence and ability to do everything that these men are already able to do. I'm reminded of that, and today that prophecy is being fulfilled in your lives because you can already do what we can do, and we're going to get to do it together, which is beautiful. Our sufficiency or competency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives lives. I am so encouraged and thrilled by the fact that you men walk in such spirit-led actions, word-rich conversations, and, and dealings with other people. And I'm saying today that it is our great honor to have you join us as full equals. We've created a demilitarized zone here <laughs> with little landmines everywhere. Explosive power of Jesus Christ in these little ones. And yet the Spirit's never impeded. Look, I don't think we're going to have a long emotional uh, music set, no smoke machines. We did all that at the wedding last night. <laughs> and by the way, I noticed that you people, when given the chance to celebrate, do. Yeah, I, this is worth celebrating here today. So I think what we are going to do is, well, if everybody stand to their feet, Adam, Cora, you make your way up here. We're going to fellowship all day on Fuerte. Everybody is welcome. I can feel it. I know exactly what it's like to run a mic. And there's, uh, there's this command in the scripture that our services be run in an orderly way, never with more than two or three prophecies, especially in tongues, without an interpretation. And I can feel about 75 prophecies lining up right now. It's an impossible situation. I don't want to go back to cessationism, and yet at some point, I bet you have the opportunity to speak to them today. So I think what we want to do is we want to have uh, our newest elder pray and close our service. Uh, and I feel moved of the Spirit in one more way. I want to tell your relatives again, we're proud of you for walking in here. Uh, we want your mercy towards us and we extend it towards you. I want to tell you, I'm a dumb redneck that hadn't gotten an awful lot of stuff right, but I sure do love the people you love. Some of you that have traveled such a long ways and we've sat in hospitals together and we've fought for the lives of your grandbaby. Thank you. Okay. We started in a little garage and set out to try to change the world and we're just audacious enough to believe we could do it. And the most encouraging thing that's ever happened is God is sending guys like these. Okay. And we're going to do it again many times over. You guys begin to pray. Father God, we are so thankful for the gift that you have given us, Lord, through these three men. Lord, we thank you for the hearts that they have for this body and this sheep. Lord, that their first and foremost actions are always to lay down their lives so that the sheep have what they need. 
Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen these men with every spiritual gifting that they need. Lord, that you continue to raise them up, Lord God, in your power, Lord, in your authority. Lord, as they operate in the function that you have given them. Lord God, that they continue to see the hearts of these people as their own. As they continue to see the families as their own. As they continue to see the children as their own, Lord God. Lord, we are so thankful. Lord, make their steps mighty. Lord, give them confidence in everything that they do. Lord, whatever they set their hands on, Lord, is because it is your will for them to do so. Lord, we are praying, mighty God. Lord, that the people seek and look to their pastors. They look to them, Lord God, for what they need. That they eagerly desire to be trained up by them. They eagerly desire, Lord God, for their hearts to be made right because of these men and what they are willing to do for them. Lord, we are so thankful. Mighty God, we lift them up in your mighty and awesome name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, we have one more thing to do. Let's have you three men go stand right there by Michael Parker. Now, the rest of y'all, put your hands on them and pray for them as an act of ordination. So please, go there. And I think the way we're probably going to do this, y'all can literally mob them. Yeah, like, just mob them. Paulie, you lead that prayer. Everybody connect like sinews in a body, like, like a neural network. This is the body. These, these brothers are set apart in their function for your benefit. This is your sign of agreement. This is you saying that you receive them as pastors. Father, I thank you for this family of believers that you have gathered, that interconnected, we give witness and testimony to the ministry activities on this men's lives, the way that you have called them, ordained them, and anointed them. It is with great confidence that we see that they're going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold of ministry has been given. 
So therefore, it is to you and to you alone, Lord, that we lift up our praise, that we lift up our celebration of your work in these men. And together as one body, we all say, Amen. Amen. Hey, exciting news. Next Sunday, you're going to hear from the newly ordained pastors of LCM. <laughs>